ברוך חי ברוך הגבר, אשר יפתח בשם, והויו והויו אשר, והויו אשר יפתח הוי. ברוך חי ברוך הגבר, אשר יפתח בשם, והויו והויו Hello and welcome to Praying on Purpose. Well, today is the 14th of Shvat, and you know what that means. Beginning tonight, Jews all over the world will be celebrating Tu B'Shvat, right? Well, it depends what you call a celebration. We will not be saying Tachnun. Uh, for some of us, we will have memories of old Israeli jingles and the distinctive taste of rock-solid buxer. And perhaps, for those of us who are more fortunate, we will have the opportunity to actually go ahead and partake of a nice array of fruits. But the reality is, all kidding aside, even after we take a closer look at the sources to try to understand the history, the source, the origin of Tu B'Shvat, it is challenging to gain a proper appreciation for the special identity of Tu B'Shvat. I hope that in the next few minutes we will be able to do just that. I'd like to share a thought with you as to why Tu B'Shvat is in fact a very unique and a relevant day. And of course, since our conversations revolve around prayer, I am hoping to be able to look at tefillah through the prism of Tu B'Shvat, thereby enabling us to appreciate that a proper understanding of Tu B'Shvat may actually help us gain a deeper appreciation as to why we pray. The source for Tu B'Shvat comes from a Mishnah, the very beginning of Masechus Rosh Hashanah. The first Mishnah in Rosh Hashanah talks about four points throughout the year which are considered to be a Rosh Hashanah. When we hear the term Rosh Hashanah, so we think obviously about the first of Tishrei. But the Mishnah says that Be'echad B'Shvat, the first day of Tishrei, is Rosh Hashanah Ilan. It is considered to be the new year for trees, which has yet to be explained. And there is a machlokas between Be'sham and Be'shilah. Be'sham says that Echad B'Shvat, the first day of Shvat, Rosh Chodesh Shvat, which we celebrated almost two weeks ago, that is the Rosh Hashanah Ilan. And Be'shilah says, no, B'chamisha Sabo. It is what we call Tu B'Shvat, Tesvav Shvat. That is considered to be the Rosh Hashanah Le'ilan. What exactly does that mean? So Rashi explains over here that when living in Eretz Yisrael, farmers have an obligation to take a tenth of their produce and give it as a gift to the Levi. This is what we call Maser. So Rashi says when it comes to Maser, when it comes to tithing, Tu B'Shvat is considered to be the cutoff date, meaning all trees that have reached the stage of Hanata, let's say budding by, by Tu B'Shvat, so we must go ahead and count the produce from these trees towards the previous year. And any trees in which the Hanata comes after Tu B'Shvat, so this is to be applied towards next year's Cheshbon. The basic idea over here we actually are familiar with. It's like the end of the income tax year. December 31st is the cutoff. All income that I have earned before the end of December 31st has to be properly taxed for the previous year. Any income that I receive from January 1st and on, so this is going to go towards next year's cheshbon. So now that we understand what Tu B'Shvat is, we're left with perhaps a bigger question, and is why are we celebrating that? I mean, think about it again. December 31st is the end of the income tax year. Do we celebrate that? Is this considered a festive occasion? The fact of the matter is, there may be people who celebrate the beginning of the secular new year, but it is not for that reason. The fact that it is now the beginning of a new income tax year, that is an important point of information, but is generally not something to celebrate. And again, granted, our celebration of Tu B'Shvat seems to be pretty limited, but the mere fact that we don't say Tachanun tells us that there's something special about this day, 
Why is that relevant? Why is that worthy of celebration? So I would like to share with you a very beautiful insight that is found in the Sefer Darash Moshe and the teachings of Rav Moshe Feinstein, Zuchon Lavracha. And he points out something which is very fascinating. He said, you know, when you would ask a farmer, Maser, your obligation to give maestros, to take, again, 10% of your produce and give it away, is that a gift or is it an obligation? Like, which one is it? Is it a tax or is it an act of charity? So the reality is, it is an obligation. It is a tax of sorts. But since a farmer can choose to whom he gives, meaning a levy can't just go ahead and walk into his field and take, a person has what's called tovas hanah, he has the right to decide to whom he gives it, so, therefore, people walk around with the misconception. They feel as if this is a gift. This is charity. When a person goes ahead and is taking a percentage of their produce and deciding who to give it to, there is a certain sense of personal satisfaction, and that could lead a person to mistakenly believe that, you know what, this is mine, and I'm choosing who to give it to. And therefore, he says, it is understandable that people may delay their payments. People say, yeah, I'm not ready to give right now, maybe next month. And the truth is, people would probably delay longer if they could. You know, they say, well, let's see how next year's crop is. You know, I'm not ready to commit yet. Until the end of his life, Ramosh would say, he would say, okay, I guess now I'm ready, but at that point it's too late. There's way too much to give. He has so many unpaid debts. And so therefore, Ramosh says, the Torah sets up a deadline. You cannot be maser from one year to the next. And this prevents a person from falling into this pit of self-deception. And so the idea of Tu B'Shvat being, let's say, a cutoff date, it really was, on a certain level, a happy day. Because what it does is it forces man to own up to his own responsibilities. And by separating maestros and giving them away, it enables him to recognize his true claim to ownership. Only then can he truly claim possession over the remaining nine shares. And Ramosha continues, he says, listen, today we don't have this particular aspect of observance. Right Today, certainly in Chutzlars, we are not giving Shumas and Maisos. And even in Eretz Yisrael, where it is observed on a rabbinic level, it's a very, very different type of experience for virtually everybody. But he says, nevertheless, we can all remember, and we should all remember, that we are all created with a designated share in this world. Everyone has a chilek. And at times, God distributes our shares in an unusual manner. I have some of yours, and you have some of mine. And so therefore, the concept of giving tzedakah from a Torah perspective, well, like the Mishnah says in Perkyavos, Tain lo mishalo. I should give him, I should give to an ani mishalo what is his, as some explain, with a capital H. Meaning, I feel as if it's mine. I earn a paycheck at the end of every month and I feel a personal sense of satisfaction. Look what I ever earned. And of course, to a certain extent, that is true. And we also have to appreciate that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us with the expectation and understanding that we're going to give some of that to others. This is true when it comes to our income, when it comes to money, and it also is true when it comes to other resources. If I have the ability to help someone and to assist them and to be a person, this is my obligation to give a portion. In fact, Ramosha, not here, but in a famous tshuva, says that just like there's a concept of miser when it comes to one's money, there's a concept of miser when it comes to one's time. A person should consider giving 10% of his or her time towards other people. The idea over here, of course, is, yeah, it's my time, but is it really? Or is it HaKadosh Baruch who gives us more than we need with the understanding that we can and should go ahead and share with others? And so therefore, Ramosha says, listen, Tu B'Shvat is a reminder that in life we all have to meet certain deadlines. And we should distribute, whether it's tzedakah 
or whether it's our time or other resources in a timely manner at set intervals, whether it's annually or monthly, weekly, daily, but with this mindset that I have obligations that need to be met. I cannot be thinking merely about myself, and only then can I truly claim ownership over that which is mine. And Ramosh explains that this is the simcha of Tubashvat, having deadlines that are imposed upon us, which is a strange idea because normally we think of deadlines as something which is onerous, something which is being imposed from the outside in, and I don't like that. I'd much rather be in control of my own time and my own resources. But Ramosha points out a very, very basic feature of human psychology, and that is that we appreciate deadlines. We want to be told when it is time to go ahead and meet certain obligations. Because if not, if we were left to our own, unfortunately many of us would push off and we would procrastinate and we would delay again and again and again. Because that is human nature. It's such a big decision. I don't know how to make this decision, how I'm going to go ahead and give my money. You know, I'm going to think about it a little longer. I'm going to wait a little longer. I'm not ready to commit yet. And that would be our attitude. So with that, let's pivot for a moment. And let's think about this concept as it relates to prayer, as it relates to tefillah. We know that as far as davening is concerned, we also have, let's call them daily obligations. And let's not even think about this from the perspective of Karmanos. Let's just think about our own everyday experience. Shachus Mechemarev. Shachris has a zman. There's an earliest time to daven, and there's a latest time to daven. The same is true with Mincha, and the same is true with Mariv. Kriyashma has its own zman. I have to recite Kriyashma within a certain window, within a certain time frame. And if it's too early, well, I do not satisfy my obligation. If it's too late, I missed an opportunity. Now, for many of us, the idea that Avodah Shabalev that a duty of the heart is something which can be forced into certain time intervals, that it should be regulated on this level, that I should be told exactly when to stand and when to sit and when to daven, we may find that to be a little troubling. Do you want me to be sincere? Do you want me to be genuine? Do you want me to speak to God from my heart? If I'm going to speak to God from my heart, so I have to do it on my terms. I have to decide when I'm ready. When can I actually go ahead and sit down and think about what it is that I want to say and how I'm going to talk to God? Right? Isn't uh, let me let me just be real. Let me be genuine. I'm not really in the mood today. Maybe let me try tomorrow. Comes tomorrow, I wake up. I said, you know what? Today's the day. I'm gonna dive in shachris, and today it's gonna be so special. And I get dressed. I check my emails, and I say, oh gosh, I forgot all these deadlines that are due today. I was supposed to finish a report last night and send it into my boss, and suddenly I get distracted. I, I don't have the headspace to daven right now. You know, God doesn't want my prayer right now. You know, I'm, I'm going to try again later. Mincha comes and goes. It was a very, very busy day at the office. But you know what? Tomorrow, tomorrow's going to be great. Tomorrow, I'm going to dive in. You're going to see it's going to be amazing. And I wake up early, and I say, you know what? Today would be a great day to just just exercise a little bit first. I'll get, I'll get more in the mood. And after I exercise, oh, it's going to be a great, great davening. And lo and behold, I do so, and then I feel very sore afterwards, and I'm just not a place where I can dive right now. Maybe later. And you see what's happening over here. We can almost imagine each and every one of us falling into this trap the way we do when it comes to many other things that are, in fact, important to us. We say, this is important, but I'm going to wait until the moment is just right. And slowly but surely, most of us, I believe, would take fewer opportunities to stop what we are doing and to connect ourselves to the Rabboni Shalom. Many months ago, I mentioned that Tfilah Shemona Esrei can work sort of like a checklist, you know, there are different ways of looking at the different brachos of Shemon Esri and what they are designed to do. But I would say that one way we could look at it is a checklist, meaning these are at least 
19 different ideas that we should be thinking about every day. And just ask yourself, if we were not prompted three times a day by the Anshe Knesset Sagadola to ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu for knowledge, for assistance in using our intellect in a way to improve our lives and make the world a better place, would we do so? Would we ask for forgiveness three times a day? After all, I'm doing pretty okay. It's only been a month since Yom Kippur. It seems a little too soon to go ahead and ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Salach Lanu Avinu. And would I ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the restoration of the Sanhedrin? And for Kibbutz Galios, for the ingathering of the exiles? And for the building of the Beis Hamidosh, Yerushalayim? You know, it's, it's, it's still several months away from Shavas HaBatamas. I don't have to ask for that every day. My life, after all, is, is pretty good, even without the Beis HaMikdash. And so therefore, the 19 brachos of Shemona Esrei, they're a checklist. And we are reminded every single day, at certain times, that we need to check in. And these are, you'll forgive me, on a certain level, obligations that need to be met. And of course, we don't want to reduce davening to the point where we feel that it is merely a checklist, that we are discharging obligations and saying, done, 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 next, been there, done that. But at the same time, as Rav Moshe tells us, Tu B'Shvat is the day of celebration because we appreciate the fact that our hand is forced. The fact that our Kaddish Baruch Hu tells us, you know what? man. The time has come for obligations to be met. The same is true when it comes to davening. The structure of davening, the schedule of davening, however rigid and imposing it may seem to be on the surface, it's a tremendous gift. It gives each and every one of us the ability, whether we're ready or not, whether we're in the mood or whether we're not in the mood, to stop what we are doing, to hopefully, effectively disconnect from whatever it is that is occupying our minds and our hearts, and to connect with the Rabbana Shalom, to talk to Him, to go through the checklist that davening is for each and every one of us, and ask ourselves, are our obligations being met properly, in a timely manner, in a timely fashion? This is a very, very wonderful thing. This is truly a gift. This alone is worth celebrating and appreciating how special davening is. And so, as we celebrate Tu B'Shvat beginning tonight, we should all be zochet to understand and to appreciate that the true message of Tu B'Shvat is something that can inspire us every day of our lives. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful day.